Welcome to the Next Level Human Podcast. As a human, you have a job to do. In fact, you have four jobs. To earn and manage money, to attain and maintain health and fitness, to build and sustain personal relationships, to find meaning and make a difference. None of these jobs are taught in school. And that is what this podcast is designed to do. To educate us all on living our most fulfilled lives through the mastery of these four jobs. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Tita, and I believe we are here living this life for three reasons and three reasons only. To learn, to teach, and to love. In this podcast, I will be learning, teaching, and loving right along with you. I'm grateful to have your company. Here's to our next level. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to today's show. Today's going to be a part two. Last week, uh, we talked about the idea of being virtuous and some of the philosophy and psychology around uh, being a good human. And so today, I wanted to follow up with a more of a to-do list, um, looking at this from the perspective of how can we actually behave now that we have a little bit of a background on what being a good human might mean from the philosophical standpoint. We talked about this from the the sort of point of view of stoicism. And we talked about the four virtues of courage, wisdom, justice, and temperance. And we talked about this from the Kantian point of view, this idea that we do not want to uh, make other humans a means to our own ends, meaning that we don't want to use other humans or put another way, we don't want to manipulate the reality of other humans so that we can get ahead. So this idea of using others, we need to, in the realm of Kantian philosophy, look at each human as an end in of themselves. In other words, as somebody who is here for a particular reason, perhaps, and they have their own sort of goals and dreams, their own ends, and we should be supporting them in that and not manipulating them for our ends. We also talked about the idea of the dark triad and the light triad. And so this idea that psychology has actually worked out what good humans and bad humans tend to do and be like from a psychology point of view in terms of personality traits. The dark triad is made up of Machiavellianism, uh, narcissism, and psychopathy. So Machiavellianism is this idea that we are going to be manipulative and want to control people. It's kind of the opposite of Kantianism, isn't it? Narcissism is this idea that the world revolves around me, that I'm more important, that I'm the most important, and the world revolves around me, and I only really need to care about what I need and not what other people need. And psychopathy is this paranoia that people are out to get me, and this idea of not really being very empathetic or compassionate. Psychopaths have this unique thing in humanity where they don't feel the pain of others. And so the dark triad is sort of this three-part personality trait made up of Machiavellianism, narcissism, and psychopathy that tells you 
that this person may not be the best human being. Now, on the other side of that, the light triad is made up of Kantianism, uh, faith in humanity, and humanism. And so Kantianism, we just talked about, this idea of treating people as an end in of themselves, helping people, um, not impeding people's own ends, and not manipulating their reality for our, for our ends. Uh, faith in humanity basically believes that means that we believe as humans that humans are generally good, not generally troubled, not generally flawed, not generally evil, but generally good, despite some of their dysfunctions. The idea of faith in humanity is that most humans want to do and will do the right thing. We're sort of built that way. And humanism is this idea that each individual should be seen as someone who is unique and worthy uh, in themselves. This idea that we see human beings not necessarily in a hierarchical way, that we are better than, but more in an ecosystem, that each human plays a particular role and that human has unique and inherent value in the world. So we talked about this in the last episode. Now, taking those concepts, how can we then start to apply ways of being, ways of being in the world that will make us good? I'm going to go through 10 that I chose. Now, these 10 are 10 that I have thought about deeply. And um, I want to show you right off the bat, or at least explain right off the bat, why in these 10, there are two that you might think should be included that I omitted right off the bat. And that is this idea of kindness and generosity. Most people, when they think of good humans, of course, they're going to think of these people are kind and or they are generous. They give of themselves. They're, they treat uh, other humans as kind. They give smiles. They give compliments, this kind of thing. Now, the reason I've left generosity and kindness out of this is because I don't necessarily see these things as being first principles. In other words, I can find many examples where maybe dark triad folks or someone who's, who has a Machiavellian way of approaching the world might be kind to someone or may even be generous to somebody for their own gain. I can think of somebody maybe being kind and generous to get ahead in a sense. I can think of a base level human who's searching for power, brown nosing one person, being kind and generous to one person while being cruel and uh, manipulative to someone else. And so what I was looking for here in my sort of 10 rules of, or 10 ways of being a sort of uh, good human being is I was looking for behaviors that did not lend themselves to this sort of thing. Now, I'm, I don't know how good of a job that I did, but I want to present these to you and go through them one by one. And I do believe this is a very important thing for all of us to consider. If we want to be good humans, these are some of the things that we should be striving for. I know that for me, in my life, these are the things that I am always keeping front and center for me when I think about being a good human. Because of course, we're all human, which means we have our dysfunctions, as you do, as do I. 
We have our flaws, you do as do I, and we have our base level behaviors sometimes. Uh, you do as do I and everyone else. But when I think about how to show up in the world, I have these 10 things at the top of my mind. Now, the first one is not going to be a surprise, um, but that is this idea of telling the truth. And truth to me was a very hard one sort of understanding. Now, many people go through life and they have other dysfunctions. You know, I have never struggled with kindness and generosity, but I have struggled with the truth. In fact, I have uh, wanted to be so kind that I would lie and people please so that I could be kind. And this made me have a very troubling relationship with the truth. And those of you who know my story know that I cheated on my wife. I betrayed my wife. I had an affair. This is about as, uh, you know, sort of dysfunctional and as far away from the truth as you can get. In fact, it's anti-Kantianism, isn't it? It's manipulating someone else's reality for your own gain, kind of having my cake and eating it too. Going behind my wife's back, having a sexual affair with someone else where she didn't know, pretending everything was fine. Now, there's no judgment here because many people, for many different reasons, have affairs and do these kinds of things. But for me, this woke me up to the very dysfunctional and destructive relationship I had with the truth. It also allowed me to see that honesty is a far better principle and a higher first principle than either kindness or generosity. But more importantly, let's talk about this idea of when we tell the truth, why would this be a good thing? And let's even talk about the truth here just for a minute. Like, how do we know what the truth is? Well, many philosophers have talked about how do we distinguish truth from untruth? And they've said things like truth has to be useful. It also has to be repeatable and it has to be validated by a third party. In other words, in order for something to really be true, it has to be true for me, true for you, true in wherever you look at it in the world. It has to be repeated over and over again and it should be useful. Now, this part is really tricky, right? Because some truths have become not so true over time. For example, let's talk about just a very simple way of looking at this. The world used to be seen as flat. Now, at the time that the world was seen as flat, this was true in terms of we. everyone who looked across a horizon could see an end to that horizon, sort of this horizontal uh, horizon. They So in a sense, without other knowledge, they could see that this was, in, in a sense, true for most people, at least from the perspective they were coming from. Now, was it useful? It was useful to some degree, um, but at that time, navigation was perhaps challenged as a result of this view of the world being flat, uh, ex being able to explore and understand the world and weather patterns and sort of um, timing of seasons and all this kind of stuff. Uh, this kind of stuff maybe was not as useful or not as available to us because of the way we were seeing the world. And was it able to be validated again and again? There were certainly things in nature that may not have made sense 
holding that viewpoint. And then as we upgraded our understanding and gained more knowledge and understanding, we started to realize, oh, we're not the center of the universe. The world is not actually flat, but it's round. And rather than the sun evolving, revolving around us, we revolve around the sun. And this allowed us to upgrade our understanding, to upgrade our truth. And all of a sudden, we had a repeatable, valid, and more useful model. This speaks to what I talk about an awful lot, the idea of the scientific method. And so, yes, truth does evolve over time with more understanding. There was a time where people thought that thunder was some god Thor up in the clouds slamming his hammer down. Was this a useful belief? Was this a belief that could be validated? No, it wasn't that useful as a belief either. And it didn't necessarily, you know, sort of... Uh, was a situation that it could be something that we could sink our teeth into. And over time, that truth has been upgraded. But more importantly, we humans come to truth when we give the world our perspective and then the world gives us its perspective back. And what I mean by that is when we tell another human our truth, what happens is that our reality then collides with their reality when they tell us their truth. When we go out in the world and act as if something's true, the world then comes back and forces us to uh, sort of be in a position where we uh, have to confront that that may be true or not. Here's a, just a very simple example. Imagine I believe I have magic powers that I can talk to animals, right? And I decide I'm going to go for a hike. And I believe that I have these magic powers and I can talk to animals and control animals. And I tell you this and I believe it as true, right? But then I go out into the wilderness and I run into a bear and I try to use these powers of mine and the bear attacks me and kills me. This essentially shows that that belief and my uh, sort of way of showing up with that belief was not true. And this is what I mean by when we carry beliefs out into the world, we, our reality collides with other humans and collides with nature itself. And then our reality is then adjusted. And so part of the idea of being honest and being a good human and why it's so important is because remember what a next level human is. It is somebody who seeks to grow themselves to their best higher level self to also evolve the world to its best higher level self. And this is why I say telling the truth is so important. And I often say that honesty is kinder than kindness because when we show up telling the truth, what it allows other humans to do is say, here's this person's reality and the way they see the world. And I'm going to give them my reality and the way I see the world, assuming they're also being as honest and truthful. And in the colliding of those two truths, hopefully a greater truth emerges. And this is what evolves the world. This is why this is such a first principle and being honest is so, so important. Base level humans are dishonest to manipulate. Culture level humans are dishonest to fit in and look popular. Next level humans do not ply in dishonesty. They only play in the realm of honesty. And this to me is a prime principle of always telling the truth. Now, number two here is to realize something. This would be the second way that I think a good human behaves. A good human walks through the world realizing that they are not special. 
This, I know, is tricky, right? Because as children, we're told, oh my gosh, you're so special. You're a special flower. And we oftentimes see that children tend to see themselves at the center of the universe. That's why children I oftentimes describe as base level in a sense, because they see themselves as the center of the world. And they kind of see themselves and their own needs as more special than other people. Then, of course, when we get into the culture level way of looking at it, we start to see our group or our nation or our race or our sex as special. Well, next level humans get to this point where they do not see themselves as special anymore. They hold this very simultaneous view where they are simultaneously seeing themselves as insignificant, but also uniquely powerful. It's this idea that I am not special and yet I am special. And you'll see this theme sort of repeated over and over again in my construct of the next level human way of thinking. This theme of integration of two ideas that at first look separate and opposite, but when you combine them, you sort of get to this middle place. And this is the idea of Taoism, which Taoism is a, a philosophy I'm heavily influenced by. And so why would we want to not see ourselves as special and to instead see ourselves as no better or worse than any other human? The reason that we want to see this is because having hierarchies of this idea that this profession is better than that profession, or this race is better than that race, or this sex is better than that sex, or this nation is better than that nation. What this does is it sets up dichotomies, and by the way, it sets up untruths, and it sets up hierarchies that pit one group of people against another group of people. And by this very nature, if a next level human is someone that wants to grow themselves and grow the world for a better place, once we start to see ourselves as better than someone else, we start to see that we don't have anything to learn from anyone else except the people we deem as worthy, which means we automatically stunt our own growth. Likewise, once we start seeing ourselves as better than other humans, we begin to create friction um, between those humans and we don't want to teach either because we see only certain people as being worthy of talking to and teaching and therefore we stunt the growth of others and so thinking we're special not only stunts our own growth but it stunts the growth of growth of others and so by seeing ourselves as the same as everyone else no better or no worse insignificant but also powerful just like everyone else we are able to grow and learn from others just as well as we are able to teach and love others. And this is a way in my mind that we show up as a good human being when we essentially see I am no better or worse than anyone else. Now, the third way to show up in the world and be a better human, to be a good human, is to realize that our behaviors as human beings are contagious just like a virus, right? We're all going through the COVID pandemic right now as I do this. We're coming to the tail end of it, I hope. But we've learned an awful lot about how viruses spread. Well, so do ideas and so do emotions and so do way belief systems and so do ways of being. All these things can spread and be contagious. In other words, when we show up and behave a particular way, we are influencing the people around us to behave a particular way. One of the arguments that I have sort of seen made, and I think it's an interesting one, is this idea of masks. 
So a lot of people might have different views of masks, but just look at it from the perspective of what if we just saw masks as a symbol of solidarity, right? It's something that we essentially say, I am with you as a human. And we essentially saw it that way and mask wearing became contagious in certain groups. Now, also, if we saw it differently and said wearing a mask is not a good thing or it's not uh, something that we should be doing, that also becomes contagious. Now, I'm not going to get into here whether masks are a good idea or a bad idea. I'm just saying when you show up and refuse to wear a mask, other people may see that and then not wear masks versus if you show up and wear a mask, other people will see that and perhaps then wear the mask. Now, let's imagine that mask is no longer a mask and let's just say it's kindness or generosity or honesty or a good deed. When you do these things, all of a sudden, the people around you who you influence start to behave that way as well. So we humans are contagious. How often are we walking through the world realizing that when we throw temper tantrums or we're all, we're all, when we're driving and, you know, uh, have road rage or get annoyed with people or show up in a bad mood, that these things are also contagious, right? When we're driving erratic, when we are in a bad mood, when we're not kind, other people aren't kind. By the way, this happens in families all the time. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a coaching or counseling session with someone who has an issue with their mother, their father, their siblings, and doesn't matter what the issue might be. They don't treat me right. They don't respect me and this and that. And more times than not, when I am in these sessions, I oftentimes ask, well, how kind are you to them? Do you show them respect? Are you modeling the same behaviors towards them that you would want them to give to you? I'm sorry to break into the show, but I wanted to take a second to cover one of our sponsors and tell you all about Paleo Valley at paleovalley.com. These are the grass-fed sticks that I tell you all so much about that all of my friends know I have on hand constantly. They are in my car. They are at my house. I keep them at my sister's home and my parents' house. I have these things everywhere because they are the simplest, most convenient whole foods protein supplement you can get almost like carrying around pure protein, low carb protein in your pocket. They also, these Paleo Valley beef sticks are the only, the only 100% grass fed and grass finished beef sticks on the market. They use organic spices. They are naturally fermented instead of using nitrates and nitrites that can be a problem in some of these cured meats, and they simply taste fantastic. Check out the original or the jalapeno. Those are my favorites. Please make sure you go over to paleovalley.com and visit. When checking out, use the code NEXTLEVEL for a 15% discount. Remember, our sponsors keep the show going by you giving them your patronage and spending your money on these high-quality products you actually do a few things. One, you're helping to support the podcast. And two, you are helping your health. And three, you are making sure that good quality companies like Paleo Valley can be out there doing their business, changing the world, making the earth better. One of the things you may not know about this is that grass-fed organic and grass-finished beef is doing something that is so 
utterly important for our environment, actually helping to repopulate the topsoil. A lot of people don't know this, but our topsoil is being extremely depleted. And raising animals, especially cattle, the correct way helps to get that topsoil back. This is one of the reasons why I love Paleo Valley, not to mention it tastes fantastic, but they're one of these companies, like my other sponsors, Cured Nutrition and Organifi, that are doing the right things by the environment. I really appreciate everything they do, and I hope you will check them out. Thanks so much. Paleovalley.com. Use the code NEXTLEVEL. And now, back to the show. It is time to talk about one of our sponsors, our earliest sponsor, Cured Nutrition. This is a CBD company. Cured Nutrition is another one of those next level human companies that is doing amazing things in the world. Let me tell you a little bit about one of the things I've been doing with CBD here recently. There is some really interesting research showing that chronic cannabis users, these are people who are smoking marijuana, are actually down-regulating the cannabinoid 1 receptor. Well, guess what the cannabinoid 1 receptor is involved in? Well, it's involved in cravings and hunger. And there is some really interesting mouse research that shows mice given products that lower CB1 or being engineered with a lower CB1 activity actually eat less and are not obese as a result of that. And so I have been experimenting using CBD to lower hunger, to down-regulate the CB1 receptor just the way chronic cannabis users tend to be very thin. And it has been working very well. Now, of course, the other thing that I use this for and have used it for, for since day one is uh, Cure Nutrition has a product called Zen that is a mix of magnesium and CBD and some other really nice formulations in there that I use to help me sleep. I have notoriously bad sleep. My sleep still is not perfect, but the Cured Nutrition product Zen has made a big difference to helping me sleep better. And that is just huge. Now, of course, they have other products. They also have a product called Rise, which I do not use, but I have used in the past. It is great for those people who like to have a pick-me-up in the morning to focus better. So Zen and Rise are fantastic, but any of their CBD products used for down-regulation of the CB1 receptor to help with hunger and cravings, if you're one of these people who is constantly overeating and on a diet, you find that, hey, when I'm on a diet, I get this crazy sort of hunger and cravings. This may be something you want to check out. So check out CuredNutrition.com. Use the code NEXTLEVEL. I get a kickback to help us have these discussions on the show. It's a great way for me to be able to do this work. So thank you for Cured Nutrition for that. Of course, Cured Nutrition gets the sale and you get to work with a fantastic company that gets results with their supplements. I hope you will check them out. CuredNutrition.com. Use the code next level. And now let's go ahead and get back to the show. Let's do it. And this is a very difficult thing to do, but I can say that the people that I have worked with who start to take this on and have this light bulb moment that goes, wow, okay, maybe I'm not being as generous and kind and forgiving as I would like my parents or siblings or other people in my life to be, my significant other, and they take this on and start to show up that way, all of a sudden, these people start to show up that way as well. And I'll give you an example from my own world. I grew up with... Two older brothers. Now, one of my brothers, Keone, who's 
I'm very close with now. I couldn't stand when I was young. <laughs> and I, we laugh about this now, but he would tease me. He's three years older. Now, he was having fun, but as a young kid, I saw it as torture. And I'm not kidding when I tell you that. This was tortuous to me. And as a result of that, I ended up not liking Keone and having sort of this angst and animosity, simultaneously looking up to my other bro older brother, but also can't standing him all the way into my 20s. And then I was in a self-development seminar in my early 20s, and we were going through an exercise, and I saw, I had this flash of insight that here I was being angry at my brother for what I saw him as lack of respect, uh, not uh, taking good care of me, um, you know, sort of being disrespectful and all these things. And I realized I had been treating him as if he was an eight-year-old picking on a five-year-old. In other words, way well into my 20s, I was treating my brother as if he was an eight-year-old picking on a five-year-old. And I took it upon myself at that point in time to start treating my brother as if he did respect me care for me, almost like he was my best friend. And lo and behold, he became respectful and started taking good care of me and started looking after me. Now I ask you, did his behavior change just on its own or did my behavior towards him change, which then became contagious and then he changed or my whole perspective changed and he was that way all along. The point here though is, is that our behavior is contagious and we need to take this on and have ownership over the way we want things to be in the world. There's a famous quote by Gandhi that says, be the change you want to see in the world. And this is that contagion principle. Now, the fourth thing we can do to be good humans is we can understand our purpose and choose it and create it. This is hugely important. Now, purpose to me is something that we positively contribute to the world. Most people are walking through the world, and I understand it. Again, it's not a judgment, but most of us walk through the world, and certainly if we're a base level type human or coming from that perspective, we're thinking about what we can get. How much money can we get? What's the job we can get? What is someone going to give us? Um, we might even steal things. We might do all kinds of things, um, manipulate and perform and try to get people to give us money and jobs and, uh, you know, give us words of affirmation and see us a particular way. But really, life is about what you can give. And this does partly touch on this contagious principle, but it's more important than that because each of us is almost like a spiritual fingerprint. You are unique. There has never been anyone else like you ever in the history of mankind, nor will there ever be. This is this idea that you uniquely fit into this ecosystem, in this context, in this time and place, on this earth now. And as a result of that, you have this spiritual fingerprint, this unique makeup of your personality, your unique pain, your unique superpowers, the unique people that you've been exposed to, and your passions, and all these things that make you, you. And as a result of all of that, plus your experiences, you have a unique thing that you can bring to the world, a unique positive contribution you can make to the world. Now, this is not something you find, but it is something you choose to do. And it doesn't have to be your job. In fact, most of the time, the job only finances this purpose that you settle on. And good humans, next level humans, 
choose a purpose. They create a purpose that will grow themselves and evolve the world. And this is how we want to approach this. Now, the fifth thing that we can do is actually pretty simple. It is to behave as a virtuous, good human, even when no one is watching. And the reason I put it this way is because oftentimes we as humans cannot are un, and cannot and are not able to see our own behavior outside of the context of other humans. In other words, we're always feeling like we're being watched. And as a result, when we're being watched, we behave a particular way. And this is a very culture level way of looking at things. The culture can have positive or negative influences on us. The culture as a whole is contagious on us. And so when we are looking at other people watching us and perceive other people watching us, we might do particular things. We may be nice. We may give a homeless person some money if we're walking around with our significant other or someone we want to impress. But we may not do that when we are walking by them by ourselves. We might be kind to someone when other people are there and mean to them when people aren't there. So the idea is to be a virtuous human even when no one's watching. And I'll, I'll give you a funny little example from my own world. So shortly after my divorce, I was traveling back and forth between um, Los Angeles and Asheville, North Carolina. And I had just gotten an apartment in Asheville, North Carolina. And what I noticed pretty much right away is this apartment had, uh, you know, sort of a uh, an area that you look out on. What is that? Like the like a like a little foyer, not a foyer. But when you basically look out, that there's a area down there at the bottom where everyone is hanging out, and you can look across and see other people in their windows, right? And so there was this common area down below, and then I could look across to other windows. And I was sitting there one morning having my coffee, and I see this naked woman walking around her apartment. I start realizing over the next several days or weeks that this is happening an awful lot. And I am oftentimes standing at my window, looking down or looking out, you know, having coffee or drinking wine or whatever. Now, here's what a virtuous human does. A virtuous human goes, what would it be like if you know, I was walking around naked or would this woman like the idea that um, I am walking, you know, that someone is, is seeing them naked? Perhaps not. And so what I would immediately do is just shut my blinds to avoid any sort of me checking this woman out. Now, the reason I bring this up because I'm a single guy, a beautiful woman across the way is certainly going to catch my eye. So just from the purely um, you know, sort of uh, selfish point of view, the base level point of view, I'm the center of the universe. Why not just sit there, drink my wine and enjoy the show and sip my coffee and enjoy the show? But a virtuous human is going to say, is this something that would be good or that this person would want? Right now, I decided that no, a good human would not do that. And so I took it upon myself to make sure that I would avoid being in that position to see this particular woman doing this. Now, it's funny because as I had this conversation with lots of my male friends, they would say to me, 
what's the big deal? Right. Or some people even said, well, why don't you just go over there and knock on the door and, you know, tell tell this woman. And the big deal for me, at least. And by the way, everyone would handle this situation differently. But for me, I go, what is what is virtue and what is being good for me? And what is being good is to let this person have their private time. This is a place that they live in. It's kind of like, you know, um, you know, people don't always perceive when they have open windows that anyone could be looking in and they may not be able to because of the way the light's coming in be able to look out. And to me, this was no different than a peeping Tom. This to me was, would be a situation where I am, you know, sort of getting pleasure or off of someone else without them understanding that reality. And so this is a, an example of this. And it's a funny example I get, but I like this example because it illustrates how tricky this can get. So be a virtuous human when no one's watching. Here's another example. Me and my friend, Mike, um, when we were out in Los Angeles, he, Mike lost his wallet. He was out golfing somewhere. He was downtown in Los Angeles and he lost his wallet on the streets of Los Angeles. He was looking for his wallet and, uh, you know, obviously he did not have it. And I think I actually I think what happened was he lost his phone and his wallet because his wallet and his phone were connected. Right. We both have the same sort of wallet phone. It's a magnet. So he lost his phone and his wallet. So he didn't have the ability to, um, you know, get home or whatever. He ended up hitching a ride, got back to where he was getting. And then he used my phone to call his phone. Lo and behold, someone picks up the phone and says, I've been waiting for you to call. I have your wallet. All the money's here. I'll drive it to you. Now, this person happened to be down in Inglewood, Compton area, not the nicest part of Los Angeles, a part of Los Angeles that most base level humans or culture level humans would want to avoid and judge anyone from this town. Not only did this person find the phone, keep the phone, wait for the phone call to come, keep the wallet, keep all the money, but they actually drove from Compton, Inglewood area, all the way up to Santa Monica to give this uh, to my friend Mike. This is being a virtuous human. No one was watching. No one would have known any different if they took the phone, you know, sold the phone, took all the money out, used the credit cards, whatever. This human was a virtuous human. This is the way, in my mind, we should all show up. Now, the next thing here in being a good human is do the right thing. Do this without the need for acknowledgement or reciprocation. This particular guy, me and Mike actually, uh, you know, gave him money. Um, but he felt incredibly uncomfortable about this because he did not like the idea of doing a good deed to be acknowledged or to get something from it. And this is, you know, sort of, this is a double virtuous moment for this particular human. And I'm forgetting his name now, this guy. I wish I, I wish I knew it. But this is a double virtuous moment. Not only did he do the right thing and show up when no one was watching, but he did not need anyone to pat him on the back or reciprocate or give him a reward or anything like that. He did it because that was part of his honor code and he wanted to be a good human. Now, the seventh one here, as we get to the end of this list, is going to be a tricky one for some people. Now, I don't want you to hear me starting to get into, I love political discussions and I have no problem talking politics and even discussing my own political views. I don't want this to go into a political way, though. I just want to talk about this idea that when we are choosing leaders 
And when we are, uh, and this could be a political figure, this could be, you know, somebody who we are going to follow or listen to. This could be, you know, someone in a work environment. But the idea is, is that when we choose leaders, we should hold them to the same standards that we hold ourselves to. In fact, perhaps greater standards. In other words, a virtuous human, a good human is going to also hold the leaders and the people they follow to the same standard. So these other six things or 10 things that I'm listing, these would be things that someone would be like, I am going to choose leaders that are this same way, that act this same way, that are virtuous in the same way. The reason why is because they recognize and we should recognize that, yes, all of us, all of our behaviors are contagious, but different people have different levels of influence. And so especially if we're going to choose leaders or repeat things or spread misinformation to, to, to people, we want to choose people to listen to, to follow that also are honest and also are, are realize they're not that special and they're no better than anyone else and, and have purpose and you know, realize that their own behaviors are contagious and are doing the right thing when no one's watching and aren't doing this for acknowledgement and reciprocation. This is what we want to be thinking about. How can we perpetuate good behavior by the choices that we make, but also more importantly, perhaps by the leaders that we elect and the people we choose to read and the people and ideas we choose to be influenced by. Now, the eighth way that we can be good humans is to treat bias and dogma as if they are the plague. I oftentimes say bias and dogma are the parents to ignorance and arrogance. And there is no greater destructive force than ignorance and arrogance. Ignorance and arrogance are the most destructive forces in my mind in terms of doing evil. Think about it. Good people who are ignorant and following bad ideas do horrible, horrible things. And so we might just say, well, just be a good human. Well, guess what? We can't be a good human and rely just solely on thinking we're doing the right thing if we are ignorant and can't learn the right thing to do and or arrogant and think our way is the best way. So bias and dogma needs to be rooted out. Now, this is tough because all of us are inherently we have dogma. We have bias. So we have to look and see and root out this behavior in ourselves, this idea that we're the only ones. And this goes back to you know what I talked about sort of with number two, that we need to realize that we are no better or worse than anyone else. And number one, that our truth, if we're really going to get to truth, we have got to avoid bias and dogma. We have to assume that we have something to contribute, but that we also know nothing and that we need to be in a learning place and not uh, you know, be sort of in this definitive place where I think I know everything. The ninth way we can be a good human is prepare, prepare for suffering. We must understand that life is dukkha. This comes right from the Buddhist philosophy that life is suffering. Now you might say, well, Jade, what does me accepting suffering have to do with being a good human? If you understand that when humans suffer, they have two choices. One, they pass that suffering on. This is what base level humans do. This is what people who are Machiavellian, narcissistic, 
and psychopaths do. They pass their suffering on. You've heard the saying that hurt people, hurt people, only base level people hurt, only uh, base level hurt people hurt people. Next level hurt people heal people. So I don't like this idea of hurt people heal people because many hurt people are hurt people hurt people. Many hurt people actually heal people. And we have to understand that if we own our suffering and realize that our suffering is no different than anyone else's, think about it. There is not any form of suffering that you've gone through that a million other humans throughout the dawn of time have gone through. There is nothing special about your suffering. People lose people. People get tortured. People get killed. People have betrayal. People have people cheat on them. Everything you can possibly imagine that could be suffering in the world has been perpetrated on a million other people. And a million other people are going through that stuff right now. But if we understand what suffering is and the point of suffering, which just goes back to purpose, the point of suffering perhaps is what? so that we can learn. Why do people suffer in the first place? What does suffering give us? It teaches us something. We have to find the lessons in suffering for ourselves to grow ourselves, but then we can pass those lessons on to heal others and help others. And this is what good people do. They don't pass on their hurt. They look for that same hurt in others and help them heal as a result of the lessons they have learned. This is critical and is one of the most powerful things you can do. And by the way, this shows up in religions all, all over the place. This is what, what one thing that many, many religions share. Heroes, all superheroes do this. They oftentimes go through pain and they spend their lives trying to protect and heal others from that same pain. The last way to be a good human is to act in a way that would make you proud when you are on your deathbed. In the end, we are each going to die and we are going to die alone. In other words, we don't get to pass with someone else. We're not living in the notebook here. We're not gonna pass into wherever we're going or if we're going nowhere with someone else along with us. We must die. Most people in their sort of fairy tale mind don't realize that a significant amount of us may die with no one there at all. This is important because if we can fast forward to our deathbed and then look at the way that we have shown up and behaved, we can see very clearly that we will either have regrets and be full of regret and resentment and all of this sort of negative energy, or we can have a sense of pride for who you, we were, how we showed up, how we learned, how we taught, and how we loved. To me, the three imperatives of a next level human are teach, learn, love. This is what we're here for. How do you live? How do you behave? How do you show up for your fellow humans? What do you do for the earth that when you get to the end of your days, you will be proud of the way you live? To me, this is the final way that we can be good humans. Thanks so much for hanging out today's episode, and I will see you at the next show.